0: Bibles, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. If you have a Bible, man, bring it, mark it up. Um, I mean, if it's electronic, turn it on. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We will get you one. If you don't have one on your Device. I love. I, you know, some of you, some people are saying, "Oh, I don't like Bible on." Well, that's fine. I love having the Bible on my smartphone because I, it's just wherever I am, and it, it also. You know, I have more little Bibles that have gone through the wash. How many know what I mean? You know, that you keep. You used to keep in my back pocket. Now, now I just send my smartphone through the wash, and it is a. No, I don't do that. But uh, I, I I love God's Word. Uh, whether I, I preferred in printed form in paper form but i love god's word i love to listen to it i love to 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 read it study it preach it and, and this morning second corinthians excuse me second kings chapter 5 we have for some weeks been looking at the the lives and the ministries of two people in the old testament in first and second kings and their names were Elijah first, and then his successor, Elisha, a name that sounds like him. And these two men who were prophets in the, in the Old Testament, who were prophets about 800 years before Christ, people who God used to call a nation back to him. But they, their ministries were also marked with the miraculous, They would pray and amazing things would happen, things not from their power but from the power of God. They would pray and and water would be made pure. Uh, They would pray and food would be provided. They would pray and oil came from a seemingly endless, at least for a time, endless source. They, They would pray and waters would part. They would pray for dead people and they would be raised back life I mean it just it's it's marked their 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 ministries were marked by the miraculous it was not again their power <coughs> but rather it was the power of God through them and and the reason that we're looking at this is even though their lives and ministries were marked by the miraculous and though two thousand eight hundred years span between their time and our time, we continue to serve the God of the miraculous. His power has not been lessened. His power continues for us today. This this text here that we're about to read in 2 Kings chapter 5 is not there as simply a point of history for the Jewish people. It's not simply something to tell a wonderful story and say, oh, that's how it was, but rather as with any place in Scripture, we can look at that and say, God, what you did then, I believe that you can do today. And so we've been looking at this, and, and not only what God can do, but our part in that. And we've seen that in recent weeks. God wants to work a miracle. Almost always in Scripture, you have people experiencing the miracle, but in part due to their obedience in preparing for the miracle. So Here in 2 Kings chapter 5, there are three main persons in this true story. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1 describes the first person. It reads this way, Naaman, that's his name, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. This, this man named Naaman had a lot going for him. Of course, just in this In in, in the majority of this first verse, it says that he commanded an army. He was like a general. Maybe more specifically, he was like a a field marshal. He was the head over the army. He was a valued officer in the armed forces of Syria. His master, the king, the king of Syria, thought, it says here, thought he was great. He had favor also with the people who were under him. He was an officer. The enlisted men under him, they, they regarded him highly as well. It also says here that he had favor with God and that God had given him victory. He was Syrian. He was not Jewish. In fact, one of the the peoples defeated were were the people of Israel. It It was to bring them back into relationship with God. But it says here that God had given him victory and the last thing that you see there on the screen or in, there in, in verse 1 that we read, it also says that he was a mighty man of valor. So people, the people in the street, the people who, who knew of him, they regarded this man highly. I point that out to say that, that this person named Naaman had a lot going for him. He had a lot of good things in his favor. He, a lot of things were going Naaman's way. But verse 1 finishes this way. But he was a leper. Just five words there at the end of verse 1, comma. but he was a leper. And while many things were good, all of these other things, all of this favor and this honor and this recognition while all of those things were good, that one thing at the end could take away nearly every other thing. Leprosy was an incurable disease. I say was because leprosy just in the last 50 years has there been a cure developed for the disease that we commonly call leprosy. But at that time, and for a long time thereafter, leprosy was incurable. It was and it is a, a bacterial infection that damages uh, skin, it damages eyes, and, and it kills nerves. It, it, it kills the sensation. It's not a painful disease because it takes away the ability to feel. It kills nerves. But perhaps its most dreadful result, one of the worst things, particularly at that time, about the disease of leprosy, is that anyone known to have leprosy, those persons were ostracized or they were pushed away from the rest of the, literally pushed to the edge of society. The worst thing about leprosy wasn't necessarily that the, the deformation that it, it, it made, or the injury that people sustained and didn't know that they were injured because they couldn't feel it. One of the worst things about leprosy is that you were pushed from society. So, so uh, this person, this person named Naaman, he, he, he's facing this success and, and title and favor meant very, very little. If you had leprosy, you were driven away from, from family and from friends and from home. I mean, Naaman, we see it here in verse 1. Naaman had so much. But he and at this time just a few others knew that he was about to lose it all. <laughs> it didn't matter if you were the commander of the army, he was going to lose it all. Naaman needed a miracle. <laughs> Again, it was an incurable disease, it was something that no person could fix. It, it was a disease that had a, a a, a very foreseeable, uh, uh, automatic, uh, certain outcome: separation from society. Naaman needed a miracle. There, there was no other way to put it. No one could fix it. He, I'm sure, if there would have been a way, they would have done it. But there was no way. Naaman needed a miracle. Have you ever been in a place? Have you ever been in a place where? You're, things are going well in one area or everything, in, in at least many things seem to be right, but there's that one thing that, that threatens to take it all. Have you ever been in a place where you, you have an impediment in front of you, that, an obstacle in front of you that it seems like there's absolutely no way that it can be taken away? Do you need a miracle? Are you in a place right now, or have you been, or, or maybe just over the horizon, do you, do you foresee a, something that you need a supernatural touch from God because he's the only one that can fix it? Sometimes we need a miracle. Like Sometimes we're the one who needs a miracle. I know many of your stories, some of you know my story times several times in my life when and in our lives together where we needed a miracle because there was no other one that could fix it sometimes we need a miracle verse 2 introduces us to the second main character in this true story and and she is I, i i'll tell you up front she is one who was easily overlooked But don't overlook her because like a lot of other people in the Bible, while her name is unrecorded, her actions are not. Verse 2 reads this way. Now, the Syrians on one of their raids, this is prior to this event. Now, the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. So, this is a, a, a slave a refugee, a displaced person, someone forcibly taken from her homeland, and now she is serving as a slave to this influential, powerful, but uh, man with a an incurable disease, his wife. She, she's the servant to her. And, and you think, just line... Hold up in your minds, if you will, Naaman on one side and this little girl on the other. They live in the same household, right? They, they, they live in the same place, but they're, they're so different. So different. She was so different from Naaman. Na- people knew Naaman. Most people were aware of him, but, but almost no one knew this little girl. He was Syrian. She was Jewish. Naaman was victorious in battle. She had been taken after the battle. He had massive power, and she was a slave. I mean, you try and find in a small place two people with such a, a, a wide variance of influence and power. One thing that I've found in studying this book, and perhaps you have as well, that time after time, time after time, this book shows us that God uses seemingly, seemingly insignificant people in apparently hopeless places to do his remarkable will. That's a common theme throughout this book. God using seemingly insignificant, and I put insignificant in quotations there because no one is insignificant to God. Insignificant sometimes by our estimation. We look at some people and we go, they're insignificant. They're, they're not influential. They're, they're almost a no one, and yet, God uses, again, throughout this text, could, I could give you example after example. About a year ago, I went, we went through and spent a number of weeks on the life of Joseph. Joseph was a no one. At the beginning of his story, he was a nobody when he was sold into slavery. And yet, again, that's just one example of God using seemingly insignificant people in apparently hopeless places. There's no possibility of, of victory to do his remarkable will. We see this again and again. And verse 3 reads this way. She said to her mistress, this is the wife of Naaman, she said to her mistress, would that my lord, lord meaning the master, would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. This little girl had apparently had some knowledge of Elisha and maybe Elijah before him. And she knows about this. She doesn't know a lot of details, but she's just talking, mentions to the, the wife of this man with the incurable disease. Oh, I, I paraphrase. Now, I wish that, that, that he knew about this man that I knew, know about back in Israel because that man could cure this, this sickness. See, this, this little girl, she's a slave, and that's a difficult place, but she didn't need healing. She did not have an incurable disease but she she knew someone who did need a miracle. And more importantly, she knew who had healing power. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Sometimes we don't need a miracle, but we know someone who does. Earlier I said sometimes we need a miracle. And then there are times where we don't necessarily need a miracle, but we know someone who does. Don't raise your hands, but, but how many of you right now, just in your minds, how many of you right now are sharing life with someone? You work with them, you, you are friends with them, you are classmates with them, you're a neighbor to them, and, and you know someone who's facing some kind of an impossible situation, maybe something with, with their business or their job or their body or their family. And you're aware of their impossible situation, but you are also aware that you serve a God who is greater than all and who has no end to his power. You see, sometimes we need a miracle, but sometimes we don't need a miracle, but we know someone who does need a miracle. God can use you. See here, this is, this is a key thing that we easily overlook because we just kind of look at her as, she, as if she's some kind of an incidental person. Oh, I know about someone. Let me tell you about him. Her role was incredibly important. Without her, it would have never happened. Without this little girl whose name is not recorded, God knows her name, this little person who seems to be insignificant, she's a slave girl working in a powerful man's house, but God uses, again, God uses seemingly insignificant people who will then go into hopeless places, who will then do the will of God. And this is what she's doing. You are not an insignificant person. You are perhaps a very strategically placed person. And God has allowed you to cross paths with someone else, not simply to befriend them, not simply to be aware of them, But so that the power of God that you know about can intersect with their lives who are absolutely hopeless. There are people you know that need a miracle. You have the answer. Uh, I, I know I've shared this before, but so often we think it's someone else's responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. No, it's all of our responsibility. If you know the Savior and you've experienced salvation through Jesus Christ, if you've experienced His power in any way, then it is our holy responsibility and calling to take it to those who do not yet know about Him. That's what we're called to do. So if you know Jesus and you've experienced His power and you know someone who does not yet know Jesus and who has not yet experienced His power, Then you and I have a holy obligation, holy obligation to make it happen, to bring it together. And she did this. She did this. Sometimes we don't need a miracle, but we know someone who does. Verse 4 says So Naaman went in and told his Lord. So uh, let me just Naaman, now he somehow hears about it, probably through his wife. Now he goes to his Lord or his master, who is the king, right? So Naaman went in and told his lord, the king, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. He repeated what the girl had said. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, that is Naaman went, excuse me, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. And He brought the letter to the king of Israel which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now to fully appreciate what we just read, we need to understand the value or know the value of these items that are are itemized here. Based on last Friday's commodities market close, the silver that is mentioned here, 10 talents of silver, according to their weight and the translation into current, current measurements, forms of measurement, the silver here would be worth about $16,000. That's no small amount of money, huh? But that's nothing in comparison to the gold. The gold that is mentioned here, right, uh, 6,000 shekels of gold, that would translate into market value last Friday, almost $3.6 million. How many know that's a lot of gold? Oh, and then there's 10 changes of clothing, which I'm thinking it was probably pretty nice clothing. I'm thinking it was clothing with jewels. Although, even if there was no clothing, how many know that with over $3,600,000, you can buy all the clothing you want? Let me see some hands. How many here, ladies, would take just $1 million to spend some money on clothing? Yeah. Not even, you know, we'll t- 100000 right? I mean, this is a sizable amount of money. These valuables are considerable. Here's the problem. This was a huge failure of misunderstanding. What just happened here in the verse before you, this is a huge failure of, or or a huge failure of understanding. The king of Syria, and maybe even Naaman himself, assumed the healing could be bought from someone. You have to understand, they're looking at this from, from a human standpoint. That if something is to be had, whatever it might be, it must be purchased. It must be bought, and the more, the bigger the need, the more money you throw at it. This was the understanding. Not only that, but uh, he was going to go to the king of Israel, who is now subservient to the king of Syria because it's a conquered nation, um, or or about to be. And 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 so so the 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 understanding is that if you're gonna obtain this, then you have to go through the king. This was the king of Syria's mentality, and perhaps even Naaman's, that, that if there's a cure to be had, if there's something to be obtained, it must be employed with a great deal of money and through the right people, right? The right amount of money and the right connections. This is, was the mentality, and, and in many regards, it, it still is with many people. It had to be through the king, but here's the thing, you know, Isaiah chapter 55 says that God said, my ways are not your ways. What that simply means is that the way that God operates is, the way, is different from the way that much of our society then and still continues to operate. In our world today, the answer is often how much you have and who you know. But that's not how God necessarily operates. Oh, he can use funds, and he does, and he can use strategically placed people. He did, but he does it differently. It's not in the way that we think it's going to be. I like how Israel's king responded. Verse 7, it says, When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. That was a sign of grief or desperation. He tore his clothes and he said, Am I God? To kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. He essentially said this, I can't heal anyone. I think he's setting me up. That's what he said. That, that's basically what he said in that verse. I, I can't, who, what does he expect me to do? I can't heal anyone of leprosy. I think he's setting me up. He's, he's just wanting to quarrel with me. He, he's, he's, he's uh, setting me up to take me down. Verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, this is the third main character in this true story, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. And the king of Israel gladly forwarded the message to Naaman. says, all right, here it is. I can't do it. But he puts them together with Elisha. Verses 9 and 10. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots. You know why he had many? Because they had to carry the gold and the silver and the clothes. There's a lot of stuff. It's not just one guy on a horse or one guy on a donkey. This is an entourage. I mean, they, they made a scene wherever they went. Naaman came with his horses and his chariots And he stood at, picture this in your mind, he stood at the door of Elijah's house. (laughs) And And Elisha sent a messenger to him. That's important. We'll come back to that in a moment. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. So Elisha gives him instruction, but he doesn't give it to him directly. He sends it through a messenger. He's still sitting in the rocking chair on the back on in the back porch. He sends a messenger and says, This is what you're to go do. And, and, and the message is you're to go into the Jordan River and you're to dip seven times, and and your flesh will be restored and you will be made clean. Now, now <clears throat> I'm not a doctor, Elisha wasn't a doctor, Naaman wasn't a doctor, although he'd probably seen doctors and done everything, but I'm not a doctor, but I know this, if you have a really bad skin condition, you don't go dipping yourself in dirty water, right? that, That just makes perfect, you just don't do that. Verse 11, but Naaman was angry and he went away. And he said, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, they were two rivers further north, the the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. I want you to please notice that the beginning of verse 11, it says Naaman was angry, and the end of verse 12 says he was in a rage. Just think about this for a moment. This is a little side thing. It says he was angry and he was in a rage. He started out angry, but it became worse. It became a rage. Have you noticed that anger is most frequently displayed when someone doesn't get their way? Think about that. He's not getting his way, Naaman. And he's angry. He's not getting his way. He doesn't like it this way. And so so it says that he went away in a rage. You see, Naaman wanted it his way. Naaman wanted it his way. He wanted a miracle. That's why he's willing to do what he did. That's why he went to the king It's why he loaded the gold and the silver and the clothes on horses and chariots. It's why he went some distance. It's why he cleared his schedule. He knew what he needed and he wanted a miracle, but he wanted the miracle his way. He had packed this massive fortune to buy a miracle, but when he was directed by God through Elisha to do a humble thing, It says he went away in a rage. He's angry. This is a man who, by the way, is used to uh, a command structure, as military persons are. He's not only an officer, he's like the number one person in the military. He is used to people standing at attention in his presence. He is used to people saluting him, however, they did it at the time. He expects when he says something for it to be followed. And now, in his mind, he's thinking, How dare this guy sit on his back porch? He won't even come to the door for me. It made him angry. See, he wanted it his way. He wanted it his way. He wanted a miracle, needed a miracle was going to be pushed to the edge of society without a miracle, but he wanted the miracle his way. When again he was directed by God to do the humble thing, the humble thing, he went away in a rage. I wonder, I wonder, how many times we, we, not them, not, not, not 2,800 years ago, right now, I wonder how many times we desperately need a miracle from God, but we miss a miracle from God because we want the miracle done our way. And in our minds, we go, I know what I need and I know who has the power. And we we really trust that we believe that he has the power, but we want him to do it in a certain way. Lord, I so long to have a husband or to have a wife. Lord, I so, so long to be married. And I want, if it's a guy, I want her to be this, 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 and this. And, 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 and if, it's, if it's a woman, she says, I want him to be this, 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 and this, and this. God, I, 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 I know that you can bring them to me. Why isn't it happening? I want it to be this way. I expect it to be this way, and it doesn't happen that way. And now, I wonder how many times is God saying, I want to prepare you before I bring them into your life. And so I'm going to work a miracle, but you're going to have a part in it. And maybe there are some things that need to be dealt with before that person comes along. I speak from experience. How about physical healing, Lord? I know that you can heal, and we do. We believe that He can heal. But I want you to to do it a certain way. <laughs> I like what he I like what he said there. He said, uh, uh, or was it is it is it verse uh, is it verse 11? He come. Call upon the name of the Lord and wave His hand over the place. This is what I want. Uh, I got, I got the leprosy is right here. Just wave your hand over the place. Here's how I want you to do it. Just, just wave your hand over the place. How many times do we with, with, with physical God? Here's, here's how I want you to do it. I, I, I just right where I am, Lord. I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going. I don't. I'll be embarrassed. So just heal me right here. Or, or God touch. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, get, get ready. This is where you pull, pull your, pull your, pull your, your, your shoes in because it's about to get stepped on. Uh, Lord, touch my lungs. Well, maybe God, maybe God says I want to, I want to deliver you from, from, from smoking. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to touch your lungs. Say, so, well, Lord, I've got high, high blood pressure and, and, I, and I need a miracle. And can he, He yeah, absolutely. And, and God says, yeah, but you can't, you can't have cheeseburgers seven times a week. Wait a minute, you mean I have a part in the miracle? Yes. See, we want the miracle. Just, God, just fix me, just fix me. Lord, I know you can and he can. Just fix me, just wave your hand over the pot and there it is. See, we want a miracle, and we believe in the miracle worker, but we want the miracles our way. Lord, I want your power. I want your presence in my life. I want to be so used of you. I want to, when I pray, Lord, things happen. I want to be there. God says, I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't want that because I might I may get too emotional. G- give me the miracle, but give it to me my way. Lord, I am desperate. I'm desperate for funds. I, I need a miracle in my finances. Some of you have experienced this with me. You come and you, you share with me, and I'm not thinking of any names, or I'm, I'm really not, but a number have and it come to me over the years and said, Pastor, I need you to pray with me for, for I need a miracle in my finances. And I said, oh, let's pray. But before we pray, let me ask you a question. Are you tithing? Invariably, the answer is, I'd love to, but I can't afford to you know what the Bible said? The Bible says, he promised us that if we do this simple act of obedience, not simple, but it's simple to understand. If we do this act of obedience, the Bible, Jesus, God, rather, in the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, God said, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing, and he says, I will rebuke the devourer, which means I will not only provide for you, but I will protect you. He promised that. Yeah, but I don't. No, I don't want it that way. Just work a miracle. Just wave your hand over my, wave your hand over my my wallet, and boom, there it is. I had somebody, I had somebody once come to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. Would you pray over this? I I came this close. That was the closest I came to kicking somebody out of my office. I said, No, that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. We can't just look at some things and just say, Just wave your hand over it, and that'll be good. See, we want miracles, but we so often want them our way. Look at verse, look at verse 11 again. It says, Naaman said, and you see it here, a second line down on the screen there, behold, I thought that he would. I thought that he would. That's an expectation. He, he of, of, of the man of God, he's, I thought that he would. See, there's this, exp- this is how you're supposed to do it. I thought that he would. How many times people, they look at God and they believe in God and, they, and, and they, they, they've seen or heard some promise and they, they say, I, I believe in God, but I thought God would do it this way. And then when God doesn't do it the way that they expect him to do it, you know who they get angry at? God. This still happens, this unrealistic expectation or a, an improper expectation of, see, God's not going to go against his nature. Verse 13, but Naaman's servants came near, Naaman's servant came near and said to him, my father, It is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? I paraphrase again. This is what he said. So just do it. He promised you you'll wash and you'll be clean. So just, just do it. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't say it, but between verses 13 and 14 in your Bible, something happened to Naaman. Between verses 13 and 14, something happened to Naaman. Something happened in his heart, some kind of his brokenness, but, but there there was there was a humility that happens between verses 13 and 14. Because prior to this, he's saying, How dare this man ignore me and not, not come to me? How dare he not do it the way that I want him to? That's how he fell. He thought his rivers were better and his means was his means were superior to God's. But something happens between verses 30. There's a breaking inside of him. There's a humbling inside of him. Because in verse 14, it says, so Naaman went down. In other words, he did it. Something happened. Something broke within him. Before the healing came, the brokenness came. That's really important. Before there was a healing, there was before there was an external healing, there was an in, inner brokenness. Between... Between a cleansing on the outside, there was a, a, a humbling on the inside. Yeah, you know, I, I found so many times. I'm again, I'm speaking from experience, that, that before God does something on the outside, there has to be something that I do on the inside. You say, all right, Lord, I I don't understand it. It's counterintuitive. How, how many times has God told me to do something and I I have this really small argument is I, I can't you can't argue with God and it's just that's silly, but I, I have this little response, ah, that just doesn't make any sense. You want to work a miracle of finances and you ask me to do this? It's counterintuitive. You ask me to go to this place and say this thing, and I don't even I don't even like that person. Uh, they annoy me. They bug me every time I'm around them. But you tell me to do this? It's hard. And you have that little discussion with God and, and you say, well, I like to sleep at night, so I'm going to do this. And and you do it, and God works a miracle. But be, Between the miracle happened there has to be something on the inside that's what happened between verses 13 and 14 so verse 14 again so Naaman went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God now, pause there for a moment I, I, we don't uh, someday uh, roll the recording God I want to see this now I don't it doesn't d- this is the only reference of this I don't know how it happened here's how I think it happened I think he got in you know and he stepped in the water and he got up to about here Water's going, and, 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 and I think he dipped down. Here's what I think he did. It doesn't say it, but here's what I think. I think he checked his skin, wouldn't you? Right? Remember what I said a couple weeks ago about the woman with the vial of, of uh, oil? Uh, the, the hardest pot to fill wasn't the last pot, but the first pot. The hardest dip was the first one. I don't know, maybe it got even harder because with each one, he, it's not improving. It's not getting better, it's, it's, it's getting worse, or not worse, but I mean it's not, it, there's no noticeable difference. But it was on the seventh, he went down six times, nothing. He goes down, think of this, picture it. Someday maybe we'll see it replayed. And he comes up and he looks at his hands and he feels his face Maybe it had affected his eyes because that's what the disease does and he, he, could, he, could, he could see it. Remember, it, it affected the nerves. So it, ascent, it, it affected the sense of, of feel. And now suddenly he feels cold, the, the water or the water rushing on him. Or, or he's, he's, a, 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 a turtle bites his toe. I don't know, something happened. And he felt something for the first time in a long time. And he's healed. (laughs) I like what it says here. It was restored like the flesh of a little child. His skin, I'm going to say it, I never thought I'd say this in a sermon, but his skin was as smooth as a baby's bottom. It was. It was brand new. I love how God works miracles. But he worked a miracle in response to a man's obedience. He worked a miracle when when instead of having that discussion with God and saying that he wants it his way, just wave your hand over it. Do it here. Do it on my river. Do it in a place of my choosing, in a way of my choosing, a person of my choosing. Just do it. Instead of saying, Lord, I don't know how and I don't know when. I only know who, but that's enough enough. In a few moments we're going to pray for a miracle for you. I I know we've done this before. We've been in this series for several weeks now. And almost every week we've we've brought needs to the Lord and we've prayed for a miracle I believe some have already happened. I know, again, having known many of you for a lot of years, I know God's miraculous, supernatural power that has been manifest to you. I know of that. Some of you are alive still today because God has a purpose and because God touched you and gave you another, an extension of life. Many of you, God has made a miracle in your spirit and in your mind in your your demeanor. He's just worked a miracle. And I'm saying, God, do it again. But he does it when we humble ourselves and say, Lord, not my will, not my methodology, not my expectations, yours, yours. Sometimes we need a miracle. Or like the servant girl, sometimes we need to connect someone who needs a miracle to the only one who can work a miracle. So I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask our, our team if they will come, and we're going to sing the song, this we know. And I want to borrow this from John for just a moment. It says, uh, "You are who you you are who you say you are. You do what you'll say you'll do. You'll be who you've always been to us." jesus our hope is in you alone our strength in your mighty name our peace in the darkest day remains jesus this we know we will see the enemy run this we know we will see the victory come we hold on to every promise you ever made jesus you are unfailing I'd like us to do this this morning in the few minutes that we have left here. I'd like you to stand, please. I mentioned earlier that we often have a time of prayer during our worship, but I ask you to hold off. Um, there are going to be people down here to pray with you. But even if you just want to come and just trust the Lord for a miracle, we'll, we'll be ready to anoint you with oil and pray over you. But some of you may just want to pray alone and 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 trust God for a humbling and, and and Lord do a work in my. You may want to come down to these altars and just say, Lord, I I, I know what you've promised and, and I know what you've told me to do, but I've been resistant because I've wanted it my way. And The Holy Spirit has already spoken to you, and so uh, we're going to open up these altars. I've been praying for these uh, number of months now that miracles would happen. Uh, again. The God who worked miracles in Elisha's time works miracles today. He does. He does. But he's going to do it his way, not our way. And I don't want you to get in the way of what he desires to do in you. So we're going to sing this. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to close in prayer. If you need to go, go. But uh, this will be our closing, and I want you to come as, as we sing this. So Lord... I thank you for your power, I thank you for your majesty. And so now, Lord, as we come to these altars and eventually make our way out of this building, I ask your blessing upon these people. I pray your blessing upon me. But as we walk in obedience, so Lord, we believe, we affirm, we declare, and with our, even with our next few actions, we will declare that we believe that you have the answer, that you alone have the answer to our impossible need that you do amazing things. Uh, But Lord, we also pray that we would allow you to do it your way and not get in the way. So I thank you, Lord. So your blessing upon us now as we leave or as we pray, as we come to these altars, and we thank you. Lord, I pray for miracles in these next few moments as people in obedience to the prompting of your Holy Spirit step forward and say, Lord, I believe and I will do. That you call me to do. So we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. You God bless
1: you come, are you come
0: are as we sing.
1: Who you say you are You'll do what you say